In the Friday edition of the podcast for the start, the downtown safety plan and reaction. Also, we head to Brandon to learn about what they've been doing to try to save their downtown. Richard Cloutier went on a ride along with emergency workers last night, and part of his night included a house getting struck by lightning. Christian O'Mell, host of the CJOB Sports Show, joined us to tee up tonight's Bomber game. It's our weekly gab with Gabby as well every Friday, so she joined us. And inspired by the fact that we just got a new water cooler at work and someone broke it two days later, that got us thinking about the times where we might think to ourselves, I just can't have nice things. And throughout the course of the show, we learned who the culprit is. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's back in a week. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Friday, July 7th podcast for The Start. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb's off this week and next week. In our next segment, we shall tell you how you can win tickets for the Bomber game tonight or for the Monster, the world's largest inflatable obstacle course. And coming up after Global News at 7 o'clock, Greg, we're heading to Brandon, based on what we're about to discuss right now. Yeah, Brandon has had its issues in the downtown. Heck, <laughs> you went to see Indiana Jones the other night? Yeah. Uh, what year did the first Indiana Jones movie come out? Like 1981? Yep. 1988? Was it 81? Yep. I remember going to see that in the Strand Theater in downtown Brandon, and they just ho- opened the Brandon Gallery Mall, which was similar to Portage Place, supposed to solve all of downtown Brandon's problems. So downtown Brandon, like downtown Winnipeg, has had issues for a long time. Back in October of 2021, they decided to uh, create a task force to figure out how they could make things better. We'll check in on Brandon, find out what the issues were and what the priorities are for them to try and make downtown a better place for everyone. And the reason we're talking about it is because of the big announcement yesterday. The province made a $10 million announcement to tackle crime in downtown Winnipeg in the way of more lights, cameras, and police on the ground. But does this $10 million safety strategy get to the root of the problem? Mm, The premier says the cash will give frontline police officers the resources they need to make our downtown streets safer, including 24 more police officers and a new crime prevention hub. Global's Rosanna Hempel reports. Just requesting status check. A check-in on outreach teams from Downtown Community Safety Partnerships Communication and Dispatch Centre. Like we might get a call for, say, a wellness check for someone. This is where staff like Joe McDonald coordinate foot patrols, monitor CCTV and take calls from the community. In the coming months, this coordinated assistance network involving both the Safety Partnership and the Winnipeg Police Service will expand. Premier Heather Stephenson announcing Thursday more than $10 million to help fund the space, including 75 more CCTV cameras, bringing the downtown total to 100, which the Safety Partnership can oversee at its centre. Manitobans have the right to safely live, work and play in our downtown communities. The announcement also provides funding for 24 Winnipeg police officers, all-purpose vehicles for law enforcement like ATVs and e-bikes, enhanced lighting, along with a centralized hub to support crime prevention. Rising crime rates are making people feel unsafe in their own communities, and it's a legitimate concern. I've said it before and I'll say it again, enough is enough. Let's defend our police officers, not defund them. Winnipeg Police Chief Danny Smythe says the money will allow the service to double its number of members on foot patrol. Smythe supported the addition, saying officers would prioritize outreach to build trusting relationships. Our partnerships are key, whether it's the ARC program or with clinicians or whether it's with you know, downtown community safety agencies, Bear Clan. There are lots of examples of partnerships that have proven to be beneficial. So that's going to happen? Yes. With more ears and eyes on the streets, Downtown Community Safety Partnership's Executive Director Greg Burnett says there are opportunities to get people the help they need faster. Let's say there's somebody who may be in crisis or maybe brandishing something, then we can provide that information to other emergency services. And again, know what we're working with before we get there. With the hope of ensuring the city's recovery from the pandemic and keeping all visitors and Winnipeggers safe. 
Rosanna Hempel, Global News. Now, numbers from Winnipeg Police show just how much crime in the downtown area has risen since before the pandemic. Both property crime and violent crime have seen jumps compared to four years ago. Biggest increase is seen in violent crime, with a 33% increase from March 2019 to March of this year. And there's also been just over a 7% increase in property crime. So for some, more foot patrols and cameras in our downtown could bring a feeling of safety, while others say it won't fix what's causing crime in the first place. Global's Iris Dick gauges reaction from those who live and work downtown. Daniel Gebru Michael can be found at Bourbon Street Billiards on Vaughan Street seven days a week. I'm always happy to come here, right, because uh, it's just my second home. But the rise in downtown crime and at his business has him concerned for his staff and clients. It's to the point that it happens every hour. He welcomes today's announcement of additional officers and cameras, but for him, it's not the only piece. That's a good start, but still, but we need, we need, um, we need our government to, to have an input to all this uh, support for all the, uh, uh, for the addictions that we have. Michael Lucenku moved to downtown Winnipeg about a year ago. While he feels safe in the neighborhood, he feels the tough-on-crime approach misses the mark. Well, most people maybe encounter homelessness and feel unsafe, and I'm not sure that uh, police have a skill set to, to manage that. He'd sooner see the money go toward addressing poverty and other root causes of crime. People are just struggling financially, and I know affordable housing is a big part of that, and uh, all the answers don't seem to respond to the problem very well, at least from what I've seen. Reactions from other downtown residents and workers were a mixed bag. You know, if you're not going to put stiffer penalties in place, where's the deterrent? The whole crux of the matter to me is better support mental health. Ultimately, the more people we have downtown, the more it will succeed and the, um, you know, the safer it will feel. Devin Castro works supporting vulnerable people in the area with Community 204 and says crime overshadows the inspiring work being done downtown. People drift from Winnipeg's downtown. It's like a spot you almost want to avoid, even though there is just so much good going on downtown. He believes more officers and cameras will help reduce crime, along with the work community organizations are doing to help those who need it. The police don't have to take on so much of the burden of, of the city's issues, whereas the escalation teams can come in and really help prevent issues from even arising in the first place. That's a big comfort, so those kind of teams are huge. Iris Dick. Global News. Brad, I know there are other parts of the city that are dealing with crime that's unimaginable, the levels of crime that we see in neighborhoods which aren't downtown. You and I would never would never accept that in our neighborhoods and, and probably wouldn't even want to live there or ever be there. And that's just a that's just a fact. But I know this for sure. You can't surrender the downtown. You just can't put up your hands and say, we give up. They've got to try something. Perfectly said. And our question of the day at CJOB.com, will these new measures help you feel more safe? 28% so far say yes, it'll help. 72% say no, I still won't feel totally safe. Cast your vote, CJOB.com. Smackling McGarry McNabb is off today. The segment for Loblaws from July 6 to 12 earned 10 points per dollar when you scan your PC Optimum app at No Frills and Real Canadian Superstore. So right now we got a question for you for a chance to win either tickets for tonight's Bomber game or for the Monster, the world's largest inflatable obstacle course coming to IG Field in August. We would like to know an example of a time where you're like, well, I guess I can't have nice things because what happened here at work we have a water cooler in our kitchen, just standard water cooler, big jug of water, two taps, one for the cold and one for, I guess, room temp. And what's the point of that, by the way? Not everybody likes ice cold water, I suppose. Eh. But I, I, just just eh. saying, not saying I agree with it. I just, I think that's the... Cam? That's Apparently the it's better for digestion to have mm. Oh, here we water. go. Oh, here we go. Really? New yeah. Health guru. I've heard that yeah. too. Especially yeah, like, if you're extremely <laughs> hot. Sure. Like, like if you're outside on a, like a 30 plus day, you're not supposed to drink cold water because you can shock your system. I, I, this cooler is not outside. It's, I was in. I know. I'm just saying. I was in I'm Europe, and they don't. They like famously won't give you ice. They think it's like a North American thing or an Australian thing or whatever. 
And I went and I ordered a Coke and I said, well, can I get some ice with it? And the guy, the waiter looked at me and he said, it's cold enough. And he walked away. (laughs) (laughs) Where was this? This was in Austria. And then he said to me, he's like, it's not good for your digestion. So it's not because like, that's how I know about that. And then I looked into it. So, and he was like, they're very aggressive about their life. If you ask for ice, they'll give you like one ice cube. Do. Electricity is very expensive in yeah. Austria, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the water. Anyway, we've had problems with this water cooler for. I think it feels like a year. Where At least the, the, since I've been here. Yeah. Yeah. Like because <laughs> one of the one of the, the 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 cold water tube inside, I guess, kept freezing. So you'd have to unplug it and wait for it to thaw out before you could a- get access to water. So and it was. Over and over, they came to repair it. They came to look at it. And finally, they replaced it on Friday, June 23rd. In the afternoon, we got a note saying, we have a new water cooler. And on Wednesday, June 28th, <laughs> I believe it happened that morning, somebody snapped off the, head, the, t- the tap for the cold water. So for the last week, we've had, we, we only had access to the stupid room temperature tap, and they finally fixed that, I think, yeah, was it yesterday or the day before? But anyway, that had us laughing. Like, clearly we can't have nice things. We finally get a brand new water cooler after a year of problems, and someone Five breaks days. it. Boom. Broken. An aggressive uh, handle puller or something. I don't know. Handle pusher. What is that? I guess it would be a handle. A lever? A lever? A lever? Sure. L- lever? Doesn't matter. Whatever. Let's go with that. <laughs> so, what an example of why you can't have nice things, 204-780-6868. Sarah McCarthy, why don't we start with you? Well, you know the phrase, bull in a china shop, and that's just me. It just seems, just things always seem to happen to me. I did not do the water cooler thing, though, so Promise? my bull <laughs> tendencies did not happen with that but like just so many things the other day my headphones at my desk got wrapped around my coffee cup somehow get up to leave took my headphones with me and spilled coffee everywhere (laughs) i often overfill my coffee cup like i don't guesstimate the right amount of coffee to water i guess the coat rack by our little radio pod that's been knocked over i don't know how many times there's been a plate broken because of it just the way it landed (laughs) but the worst probably has to be i've broken at least two mirrors Oh, oh my goodness. Which the, I know, but like, I don't think I have bad luck, but yeah, that was not good. Travel, like on the wall? No, it was moving into my previous apartment and it traveled like 20 plus hours. I brought this mirror like from home in Dryden all the way to London, Ontario, and uh, it made it that whole way, but not up the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, oh. I've moved so many times. As I accept that I'm going to have something is going to break sure. over yeah. the course of that move. And if I lose something, I'll be like... At least it was just that. I'm gonna something's gonna go missing or is gonna mm-hmm. break. Just the way it is. Yeah, it's like when you go camping or you go to the lake. I'm sure I forgot something. Yeah, for sure you did. Yeah, <laughs> since you, you have to accept something, you have to accept it. And if you have your wallet, all will be okay. Just go to the store and yeah. buy that something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Forte. What about you? Well, a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago, I bought a new pair of pants, and I went and got them hemmed. And I was walking oh. around here showing everybody this. <laughs> Oh, so I, I got got my pants hemmed, and uh, one leg is now shorter than the other. <laughs> like, and it's, it's not that bad, but it's just I can feel the draft on my right ankle now. It's just it, it bothers me. It bothers me so much. And Cam, you're right. He was saying, you know, like, are you gonna like? Is this gonna bother you that much? Like, should you go get it hemmed the other side a little bit more? And I was like, nah, you know what? I'm just, I'm just gonna leave it. And I, I did wear them for. Uh, I went for a walk earlier this uh, week, but uh, I think those are going to be now my uh, you know, work pants. I don't care if they get dirty or my leg pants, if, if they smell like smoke. But yeah, I got one leg that's uh, longer than the other now. And it's maybe a quarter of an inch, mm-hmm. like maybe the width of the hem itself, of the stitching, but you can notice it. Like half maybe even, it's that close. <laughs> it's, it's, but you, you can tell. Did you go back? No. Get a you refund. Should. You should. Well, it's been like two weeks now. How long do I have? <laughs> I don't know. Just say you didn't notice it until now. Like, are you growing crooked in the last like six, seven days? No. <laughs> All my other pants are fine. How much was that? About seven bucks for yeah, a chain? I think it was like, yeah, around six or seven And bucks. was that the place I told you to go to? Yes. I go Sorry. To, I also go to that same place and they've done nothing but good work. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've, been, I've been there before. Yeah. Yeah. 
You must have been standing crooked when they marked it. Poitras, what about you? Uh, I'll go real quick here. Um, I was in, I was into watches a little while ago. I think I was annoying you guys about it. Um, and then it was kind of spoiled because I got an, a watch online and I was so excited. I was waiting for like four weeks for it and I was all like all excited and stuff. And um, yeah, I broke that thing. I dropped it while I was putting it on like the next day and it fell on the floor and smashed. And then it spoiled my excitement about watches. You had it for one day. I don't feel, it was like maybe 33 hours or so. I was back when I it was, and that was it. And I was just like, well, that's, that's, that's the end of that. Sorry, Cam. That stinks. And Mackling, what about you? I had uh, I, my very first ever brand new car. I bought a Volkswagen Jetta back. It would have been in 1999, I guess it was. Brand new, blue. Love this vehicle. I had it for 10 days, and I was backing into my garage, and I clipped the uh, side view mirror on my passenger side, smashed it to smithereens. Had to replace it. Like I drove into the dealership, and I think they thought I was just coming in just to rave about my brand new car. I said, nah, I already damaged it. I'm sorry, how long was it? 10 days. <laughs> oh my gosh. 237 bucks. That was a lot of money then. Before we continue the discussion on downtown safety, reminder that we're asking you about a time that you learned you just can't have nice things. What does Adam say? Bought a motorcycle years ago, and while I was on my test drive, I had to purposely lay it down as I was driving because a bunch of kids ran out in front of me, and I would have hit them if I hadn't done that. I ended up buying it anyways. So I'm curious, Adam, like, is this fall under the guise of nice to look at, nice to hold, if you break it, consider it sold? (laughs) Like, did you have to buy the motorcycle because you laid it down? Like, you know... Uh, it's yours now, man. You, you, you put it down on its side. Congratulations, Adam. Here are the keys to your new motorcycle. And uh, Adam adds as well, just as an aside, because the the whole thing that inspired this conversation is that we had this broken water cooler, and I was asking about the room temperature. Why do we have room? Is that an, even an option? And Adam says, my father-in-law is from Scotland and will only drink room temperature water. So there you go. Learning. You learn something new every day. Didn't know that was a thing. Uh, we'll pick a winner, by the way, for the bomber tickets or the monster tickets at 9.15. So now, the Manitoba government is hoping to tackle violent crime in downtown Winnipeg with the announcement of new safety measures to the tune of $10 million over two years. Premier Heather Stephenson, alongside Justice Minister Kelvin Gertson, Winnipeg Mayor Scott Gillingham, Chief Danny Smythe of the Winnipeg Police Service, and other officials announced this package yesterday morning. Yeah, as you may know by now, the plan includes the addition of 24 new downtown-based officers, enhanced lighting in the area, the addition of 75 new CCTV cameras, and a centralized crime prevention hub. The province also intends to use the funding for more police vehicles in the downtown area, as well as the development of an integrated network with the downtown community. Community safety partnership. Now, Winnipeg is not alone in its battle to revitalize and make downtown safer. Safer. In October of 2021, the city of Brandon created a task force to find ways to improve their downtown. Concerns over businesses leaving the core, along with issues like community wellness and safety, were also at the forefront. Ultimately, the t- a task force was created, and they created 10 recommendations they felt were critical in making downtown Brandon a better place for all. Brandon City Manager Ron Bowles is our guest this morning. Good morning, Ron. Good morning. So let's go back a few years and discuss what was happening in downtown Brandon, which led to the creation of this task force. Well, the uh, the heartblood of any city, of course, uh, no different in Brandon as it is in Winnipeg in the recent announcement, is, is the downtown. And so Brandon knew, just like many other communities in, in North America, that uh, we we're struggling with homelessness, mental health, and addiction. So our council um, boldly created a downtown wellness and safety task force, and they spent a good part of 13 months and met uh, aggressively it was every three weeks and came up with an action plan for council. And, and so that's where we're at today is implementing that plan. So then in, as far as this, uh, this whole task force goes, who is involved and uh, what were some of the, the recommendations? It's a great question. 
what we did unique in Brandon was uh, bring the tough subjects to the table. So uh, we brought uh, the business community. Uh, council brought the the people that understand safety and and people that understand the struggles um, with our vulnerable population that are living on the street. And so we brought those tough conversations, those, I guess, the three-pillared approach to the table. Um, and, and that's why it, it took so long, but that's why, why the recommendations were so robust. So can you give us some of the highlights, some of those 10 recommendations, Ron? Absolutely. I, I surely can. Um, transitional housing. So more house People deserve to have a place to live. And when you're when when you're struggling, um, not only do you need a place to live, but you need a place um, that provides you with support. And so that's uh, our number one recommendation. We badly need a sobering assessment center. Uh, we're working with Prairie Mountain Health in the province on increased access access to addiction and mental health uh, treatment services. Uh, of course, just like Winnipeg, uh, security, policing, and safety officer presence uh, in the downtown is very important to us. Uh, we need more people living downtown. And uh, Indigenous-led, uh, well-being, safe place for people to be during the day. So these are some of the recommendations that came out of the tax force. And how is it going? Like, What's the, what's the, the sort of forecast, so to speak? Well, we've already addressed uh, many of our security and policing problems. We uh, are our solutions. We have increased security presence in many of the areas downtown. Council and the Brandon Police Service has implemented a downtown uh, task force or policing uh, unit. And we have just started, as of this week, uh, a cadet program that's focused mostly in our downtown area in our new downtown safety office. We are uh, working with the developers on, uh, in, in, on building more uh, places for people to live downtown. So we're, uh, we're working uh, quite closely with the provincial government on establishing a sober assessment center. You probably remember an announcement uh, a couple of years ago on uh, some funds to, to build that center. So we're well down that path, as well as uh, building a transitional uh, transitional housing unit. So that's a place where uh, people can live instead of being on the street and have the supports that they need. So we'll work with the federal government and the provincial government on that. And we're working with some of our local uh, Indigenous population on on what it could look like to have a uh, a wellness centre, you know, well a, a place for people to be during the day instead of being on the street. Ron, sometimes I get the impression, and we've already had some text messages this morning that would indicate that this remains the idea that 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 downtown is some place else that people go, people work, people live. What is the overall? We just got thirty seconds here, but what is what is the overall perception uh, and feelings about downtown Brandon from from the you know the forty thousand people that live around the downtown? The perception is we're, we're, we're making great strides. Uh, our, our community, no different than the Winnipeg community, knows that this, we're in this for the long haul, and there's no simple solutions. Homelessness, mental health, and addiction are, are uh, tough uh, subjects to tackle, and, uh, and it's going to take time, but we're, uh, our city council is very committed. Ron Bowles, Brandon City Manager, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Ron, thank you for the time. We appreciate it, sir. Take care. It is Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off this week. We're asking you at 204-780-6868 to tell us about a time where you sort of thought, I just can't have nice things because you broke it, stained it, wrecked it. Like, a, this is a small example, but I once bought a pair of sunglasses online. They were uh, for golf. Of course, everything's almost everything I buy is for golf. But um, <laughs> they, because the pair that I had, uh, I think I just broke them after I had them for a few years and they broke. Uh, so I needed a new pair. And I wore them exactly one time. 
before I scratched them all to heck. I think it was playing out at uh, Scottswood Links, which is like southwest of the city, I think. I can't remember exactly which direction, but near Elm Creek. Nice course. And uh, in the parking lot after the round, I had my the, my shades sort of tucked into my collar. Yes. <clears throat> and I leaned over to pick something up, yes. and they fell out onto the onto the into the parking lot. First round, that first day I'd worn them, and I, they were already wrecked. Like I, I couldn't even look at them after that because it was so distracting and 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 it made me angry. <laughs> so they they weren't super expensive, thankfully. But uh, I know sunglasses. That's the thing that a lot of people refuse to spend money on because they break them, they lose them, etc. I was a Varnay guy. Do you remember Varnays? They were like all the rage in the 80s, and I had red ones. I had teal blue ones with orange strings because I was a Miami Dolphins fanatic, <laughs> and everything had to match Miami Dolphins uh, attire. And uh, I actually successfully managed to hold on to those glasses for a very long time until I broke the arm on the red ones, and then someone stole the blue ones uh, on a ski trip one time. But, ah. Uh, yeah, sunglasses, uh, the bane of many of our existence. To the thief, a pox on their family, Indeed. I say. As Winnipeg struggles with downtown safety, it also battles multiple issues impacting the health and wellness of many in our community. So last night, our own Richard Cluche was on board with Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service. Good morning, Richard. Hey, guys. I know sometimes you're out to, to find a particular story, and, and we're going to share one of those stories that I think you were anticipating encountering last night in just a few moments. But there was one that has become almost <laughs> unimaginably common. <laughs> Lightning well, striking. Two lightning, yeah, two lightning strikes again in one evening. And, you know, you look on the radar and you just see the intensity of these storms. And so last night, um, firefighters responding not to one, but two uh, calls of lightning strikes. There was a third that turned out to be not a lightning strike. But we were in McGarry's Hood in Transcona on Victoria Avenue East. And in this case, the lightning hit. Um, the top of uh, a house, a bungalow, and uh, knocked a shingle right across the street. Fire goes into the attic. Nobody at home except the cats at the time. The homeowners get home, open the door, boom, they smell the smoke. 911 is called. They quickly get there and extinguish the fire. But how rare is this that uh, we've now had a second uh, evening where we've had a couple of lightning strikes and the one thing that you quickly get, and I, pre-pandemic, I'd try to go out with fire paramedic service, you know, once every six months to get a, a real sense of what's going on. And now as we get back to the, to the new normal, I'm finding that this service really under a kind of a younger new generation of leadership, they're doing a whole lot of different things. The way they approach fires is a whole lot different, a lot more modern day techniques. It's about managing atmosphere when you go into a fire scene it's not necessarily going through the front door that's open to the fire but to assess and where you go and how you attack the fire uh, fascinating but all the stations now used to be and we were at a number one station uh downtown but it used to be you know the suburban stations a lot more quiet and you know people would Firefighters would certainly hone their cooking skills. They're on the run all the time now, even the suburban stations. And the number of calls, the number of medical calls, the acuity. Uh, so this, the, the shift started really intense last night. And interestingly enough, swinging by the comm center, uh, one of the communications people had just finished helping a couple deliver a baby just as the ambulance got there. Uh, she's done this twice now. So there was cheers all around, but got a real good sense of where the fire paramedic service is in 2023. And as a result, probably came away with five or, or six stories. But guys, um, the end of the shift was one of the most kind of exclamation marks when we hopped on and, and went to um, what was a, a man down call um, just 
uh, north of Higgins in Maine um, under the underpass. And the sound that you heard was uh, we were following the fire truck in, uh, in a smaller supervisor vehicle. And uh, from number one station to there, it was like two minutes and two seconds. Uh, the call guys came in as um, man down unconscious. And right away we thought, yeah, this is probably a drug overdose. And we got to the scene talking with, and you'll hear this with the fire paramedics, um, the man actually had regained consciousness. Deputy Chief, we had a seat. Do you have any medical conditions at all? So this is underneath the Higgins uh, and Main on Main Street, uh, underneath the underpass there, the, the CP Rail underpass, and assessing this victim, and then we're able to cobble together exactly what happened and the story although sometimes you think it's unique it's very typical of what goes on on the streets of winnipeg deputy chief we had a situation here where this comes in as an unconscious person we get to the scene and we quickly find out that this individual had slumped over in his wheelchair uh drugs involved yes uh, in speaking with some of the bystanders there, uh, when they saw him fall out of his wheelchair, uh, he was unconscious, didn't appear to be breathing. Uh, one of them uh, attempted CPR, and the other used the naloxone kit that he had attached to his wheelchair to administer Narcan to him. And uh, when we arrived, uh, he was lethargic, but he was conscious. That would save his life. Yes. And this happens all the time in our city, doesn't it? It does eye-opening experience uh for for you and and for all of us uh, vicariously through you rich yeah and that's deputy chief tom wallace who was uh driving and shepherding and kind of taking us uh to various pla places last night and it's amazing um because uh he was conscious taken to hospital but everybody has one of those um especially in the side of his wheelchair he had uh, the life-saving device that saved his life uh, early this morning and uh, just after midnight. And uh, some bystanders came across him, um, took and, and administering. It's not like an EpiPen. You have to kind of you have to draw it and you have to put it in. You have to know what you're doing. And uh, another person came by CPR. We get there and, and he's talking. It's just absolutely amazing and you know multiply this by a number and it's in the dozens this is what happens every night in the city of winnipeg and uh, it just amazes me what the first responders do but it also amazes me how the community is trying to look after each other and in the confusion the man did say um i think i took a bad batch of purple down and you just shake your head and you go you know he's gonna live uh, he's going to continue to live for another day. Richard Cluche, thank you so much for joining us there and giving us a peek at this. And you'll hear more on the news weekdays from 3 p.m. until 6 p.m. with Richard Cluche and Julie Buckingham here on 680 CJOB. We're going to talk sports in a moment. Bomber game tonight. It's our weekly gab with Gabby at 9.05 and then at 9.35. If you need some day trip ideas, well, there's a show for that. We'll explain that at 9.35. But before all that, for a chance to win tickets for tonight's Bomber game or to go to see the Monster, the world's largest inflatable obstacle course, we're asking you about a time where you thought to yourself, I just can't have nice things. What does Ron say? I could feel my heart sinking as I read this text message, Brett. I had something very nice in 1973 Roadrunner that I bought off my doctor's son back in 1980. It needed probably $2,000 worth of body work. Got it done. The car was beautiful. I'm picturing it purple. I don't know why. Picked it up at the body shop. Took it for a ride in the morning. Got T-boned at the corner of Archibald and Marion. Total uh, write-off. Uh, it was that. a nice body shop right there. At, uh, <laughs> no, sorry. I, 
It's no Ajimone and Marion, but then I shouldn't joke about that. But Ron, my heart breaks for you, man. What color was that Roadrunner, by the way? Love to know. That is a sweet car. I'm just looking at pictures of Roadrunners right now. That is a lean, Beep. mean machine. Uh, so 204-780-6868. We'll pick a winner at 915, and then the winner will pick the prize. And later this half hour, we got to tell you who's our next winner for Blue Rodeo tickets. Coming to Burton Cummings Theater August 15th. The three and one Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the one and two Calgary Stampeders, tonight at IG Field. Kickoff at 7.30. Our coverage gets underway at 5.30 on your radio home of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers 680 CJOB. Let's welcome host of the 680 CJOB Sports Show and member of her Blue Bombers coverage team, Christian O'Mell, to the start. Hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you, my friend? Doing great, doing great. Looking forward to uh, another good football game. I'm uh, in the bedroom, so that means the dogs are trying to harass me and get my attention to get up. But uh, they'll have to wait just a moment here as I do an important radio conversation with Brett and Greg. Well, you and I will have uh, lots of time to talk Blue Bombers later on tonight and in a few minutes here. But before we discuss the Blue Bombers, Cam has been playing part of this all morning, but I want your reaction what happened at Mosaic Stadium in Regina oh last night. The Riders, here, here's, here's the scene setter. The Riders are kicking off after scoring a game-tying two-point conversion. C.J. Sims and Gavin Cobb are back to return the kick. From the 30, there it is, and it's going to go to Sims, and he's got a back pedal. Oh, oh boy, you got to keep, no, no, no. no you got to get it. You got to CJ, you got to get it. Oh, oh no. Oh. oh, my goodness. I'm playing the whole clip because I love the pain. Roll into the end zone. There's a flag down. The whole pier. Oh, my gosh. They're so sad. They haven't put the point up on the board. No, yet, not yet. There it is. And make number 16. Then your penalty will be enforced from the 40-yard line. First down, Edmonton. And Chris Jones is coming over and not exactly giving him a reprimand. He's tapping the helmet quite a bit, but he's saying, you know, you got to pick that ball up. You can't let it come in to the end zone. And the Elks are down by one. 63 seconds to go. They take the ball on their 30. They're down 12-11. Oh, what a turn of events in this one. You're not kidding. 6.30, Chad's Morley Scott and Dave Campbell describing the scene as Elks returner CJ Sims concedes the game-winning rouge. What on earth, Christian O'Mell? Only in the CFL could something like this happen. And what a game that was, too, where it's one nothing, 2 nothing, 3 nothing, Edmonton over the course of the first half. This game was bad. Uh, I think it qualifies in the close but gross category that games sometimes fall into, where, yes, there is drama because it is close, but, my God, I hope you took the under in that one. Saskatchewan finds a way to, to at least get that touchdown at the end when nothing. They were doing nothing all game. They had three points until, like, there's a minute left. <laughs> and, uh, you know, great Craig Dickinson going for it uh, in ter- plus territory and then not getting it. But, I mean, that's a part of the beauty of the CFL. The Edmonton scores four rouges in the game and they lose on a rouge, right? Because a returner who perhaps is new to Canada doesn't know that he has to get that ball out. We've seen this before, right, in the CFL where... Teams saw it in the Grey Cup. We, we saw did. it in the Grey Cup in 2021. We but, did. I was but, just you know, mention that. You know, and Cam, Cam saying this and mentioning this, he's pointing to coaching here. How are you not having this discussion? I don't care if the guy's been in the league three weeks, three months, three years, or 13 years. Are you not getting together before a situation like that and reminding everyone, not just the returner, what our strategy here is because of the circumstance? Yes, you absolutely have to. And if you're a special teams coach, your entire job is to have your team situationally ready for such things. And maybe we're just spoiled in Winnipeg because we have a coach who's such a good special teamer and would make sure that nobody ever missed that. But it's you have to wonder, in Edmonton, for a variety of reasons, 
what are they doing? Uh, a quarterback, a coaching, and now at returning this punt or this kickoff where would they have won the game if they got the ball out? Who knows? It's Edmonton. They probably would have found another dumb way to lose, but this is certainly up there. Now, on the subject of coaching, one of the things that separates the Blue Bombers from most of the teams in the CFL is coaching. And We talk so often about the continuity of the roster of this team, but the consistency of the coaching staff can't hurt either, can it, Christian? No, no, not at all. And, and the only real turnover, right, was Paul Apolice leaving and then Buck Pierce taking over as offensive coordinator, but it's been pretty good still, right? They still had quite a bit of success with Buck in that position. Richie Hall's been the D coordinator for a long time. I remember in 2019 when there were fans that wanted him gone and they're not making noise anymore because this defense has been really good. Now, this year it has not been as spectacular, but they definitely bounced back against Montreal. And then Mike O'Shea, there's the, the culture that he has helped create here. The number of people you hear say, and it's not just lip service, it's not just cliche, but like they want to be here. The brotherhood they've created in the locker room, and I guess that extends to the coaching staff as well, where the biggest advantage you can have, I think, in sports is continuity, especially in a, C- a league like the CFL, where there's so many short contracts, there's so much turnover, so many, like, you look at since Mike O'Shea took over almost a decade ago now, Pretty much everyone else has been fired at some point. Every team's gone through a ton of different quarterbacks. The Bombers have too, but now the last four years, it's kind of the same team at year after year after year with just very minor changes. And in a league that has so much turnover, that that's absolutely a big part of why they are near the top still. So the Stampeders here, I'm just looking at uh, Cam Poitras' uh, 825 Sports. He He's telling us that the Stampeders have uh, yet to, uh, to win a... A, a, a game at IG Field since 2017. So the Blue Bombers have had their struggles historically at McMahon Stadium uh, much longer than that, like really like almost two decades of struggles at McMahon Stadium. But uh, Calgary coming in is not the Calgary team we might have seen over the last four or five, six years Christian. Typically this matchup in Winnipeg uh, when it happens in in the summertime is a, a matchup, a battle for typically first place in the West. Right, and the games have been close, right? The last nine regular season meetings they've had have all been decided by eight points or less, and the average margin of victory in those nine games was less than four points. So these teams have played a just close game after close game, regardless of who's been at quarterback. We saw Jake Mayer keep it close last year in some real tight games. Uh, ever since Zach Kolaris took over, the Bombers basically don't lose to Calgary. There was that game at the end of the 21 season where the Bombers didn't play anybody and they lost 13-12 on the road. Okay, cool. But the reality is this this rivalry has been fantastic. It does feel different this year because this Calgary team does feel like it's on the downward uh, trend with Jake Mayer not exactly lighting the world on fire and the fact that his receiving core is real banged up. But if history is any indication, that does not matter. Going into tonight's game, coming out of a bye, you just feel like this. the Calgary team has the, the institutional knowledge, and, and they feel like until Huffnagel and Dickinson, like until they're all gone, I, I, they're gonna. You just feel like they're gonna find a way to bounce back, right? So, I, I still obviously make the Bombers the favorite tonight, but I don't expect them to walk all over Calgary. Christian O'Mell is the host of the 680 CJOB Sports Show weeknights, six thirty to nine, but of course. Bomber game tonight. Pre-game at 5.30, kickoff 7.30. Christian, thank you for joining us, sir. All right, I'll go let the dogs out. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I do enjoy Christian's adventures with his animals on his social media. Oh, you got to check that out. Yeah. It's not just Sully anymore. He's got dogs involved now, too. Yeah. One of my favorites is always of Sully judging the dogs from like the top of the stairs looking down at the dogs. I think I can make it down there. No, <laughs> stay where you are, Sully. It's Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is off until next week. The end of next week. Reminder, last chance for bomber tickets for tonight's game or tickets for the monster. We're asking you about a time where you're like, yeah, I can't have nice things. And we're actually, a development on that shall be revealed in a moment. But before that, this listener says, when I was 16, 
I had a nice girlfriend, so as a gift, I bought her a 45. That's a small vinyl record. Of the then-current hit song, Gordon Lightfoot, If You Could Read My Mind. Well, she took the lyrics to heart and broke up with me. LOL. And then he says, uh, zero contact since. It took me years to figure it out when I finally paid attention to the lyrics. Then I laughed. What a, I'm going to have to read those lyrics. Yeah, I, th- well, I think it's about if you could read my mind. What a, isn't it what a tale? My heart would, would tell. tell. So I guess she like thought he was trying to tell her something. Movie. When I, when you said 45, I thought you meant a gun. I bought her a gun. That's where I thought that was going. I was like, this is a weird story. <laughs> See? Time, generations, things change. Well, 45 is not a gun. Well, at least it wasn't. Who is the third voice in our studio, Mr. Greg? Not only is she the in-stadium host at Blue Bomber Games. You'll see her in the stadium tonight. She's also the anchor. Global News Morning. Seen Monday to Friday, 6 a.m. till 9 a.m. Channel 9. Cable 12. Gabrielle Marchand. That was beautiful. How do we get that on the regular? I can make it happen. I love it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Good find, Mackling. So the the whole reason we're talking about this today, (laughs) I can't have nice things, is we finally, (laughs) after a year of having this garbage water cooler that kept freezing up, we finally get a new water cooler. And like three days later, (laughs) someone breaks it. You're the culprit. Yes, it was me. Tis I, the water cooler breaker at 201 Portage. Okay, but here's the thing. I wasn't trying to be cagey about it, but it ended up being cagey. It's only because it happened at 4 a.m. I was like, oh, there's this new water cooler. I think it was probably day two. I don't even think we had that thing for three days. And then I just sort of hulked out or something, and the handle just snapped the tab that you, the blue, the cold water tab just snapped. And I didn't know what to do with it because nobody's around at that time. So I just put it on the side and I said to myself, make a mental note, go talk to Carol who runs our show here. And then I never did. And then I never owned up to it. And now it just seems like I'm sketchy because I just told her because I saw your email. It was me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know my own strength. Well, was it complicated? The, 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 like the operation of the tap <laughs> is exactly the same as the one we had before. <laughs> like, did you think because it was brand new, you had to twist it, hammer on it differently? Like, let me inside the mind of, of, a, of a felon. A felon. <laughs> Criminal Gab? You know, face charges for this. I hope I don't get fired. <laughs> I, uh, it's, it's not the crime. It, it, it's the cover up of the crime. I didn't mean to go. I just forgot. I'm just forgetful. I'm just really forgetful. I'm so glad I saw Brett's email and I immediately said in all caps, oh my God, new email. It was me, new email. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I think I was just maybe kind of angry. Like 4 a.m. is a tough time, right? You're kind of full Fair. of anger and tiredness. Right. So. We did learn out of this, though, because I was saying, like, what's the point of having a room temperature? Like, because that, that, that water cooler has been effectively useless for me now for the last week and a half Oops. because uh, I prefer the cold water. But then we learned, Cameron informed us that room temp water is apparently better for your digestion. And in Europe, that's a thing. Like, they, they it's room temp. One of our listeners said my father-in-law is from Scotland and he won't drink ice cold water. It's got to be room temp. Probably better for our vocal cords too now that I think about it. Plot twist. I did it on purpose and I'm just trying to take care of Bobby. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can thank this me later. This is a call response thing. Like you've waited 25 years to respond to Shaggy's It Wasn't Me. Now Gabby's song is It, it Was Me. me. <laughs> okay. So one of the things we discussed this week, uh, we were talking a lot about much music because there's this much music experience tour coming to the center. Centennial Concert Hall in November. And uh, so we just had lots of good memories of much music. And Greg and I both remarked that there, for a certain time in our lives, much music was on at least one television in the house all the time. So do you have either like a staple show or channel that either was in your life or perhaps is? See, growing up, my parents only had Farmer Vision in North Battleford. They refused to get cable, so I'd only get to watch much music at my friend's house, but that was a real treat. I remember the countdown being really exciting. But my sister and I would come home, and we were basically raised on Oprah. After school, we'd park ourselves in front of this tiny little television, and we'd watch Oprah. But we were discussing this recently, because looking back, 
when you're say six and nine, <laughs> five and eight, Oprah's really inappropriate. Like they are covering some really heavy life topics and we'd be sitting there as they're talking about broken families and divorce and all these heavy things. We're just eating it all up as we have our carrot sticks after school or cheese and crackers and a little Oprah. Like Oprah raised <laughs> me and that's maybe why I'm like a little bit, you know, heavy sometimes about things. Emotional, emotionally in tuned. Maybe it triggered your love of journalism. You wanting to get to get the to, to the, learn more, yeah, get to the heart of the matter. Perhaps that might be it. It might have been a good thing. So, Think so. <laughs> Oprah. Another thing we talked about is Greg. What did you do last week? Oh man, I, I can't believe I became the person. I, I drove away from the the gas pump oh. without putting the nozzle back on the on the thing. Okay, so it's hanging a, it, it back up. So I drove away and it and it. The, Ripped? Yeah. Came right off. Did you have to pay for that? I have a lot of no, follow-up questions. It's got here. a connector disconnector thing. They're, they're much smarter about it now than they were in the past. Because I guess a lot of people did this. I just can't believe I'm in that camp. I can't now. believe you're in that camp either. I can't believe yeah. I'm just hearing about it now. I got distracted. These so, things happen. These, well, yes. Anyway, we wanted we had a conversation about the things that you look back at and you go, I can't believe I did that. Like breaking uh, water coolers. <laughs> Is that what everything's going to come back to now? Well, it is, at least for this show. <laughs> and uh, we, just very quickly here, another thing we were discussing is uh, how Derek Taylor, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, recently learned that there was a character <laughs> played by Jason Bateman on the 80s sitcom Silver Spoons, whose name was Derek Taylor. So I understand you've got a uh, name story about Gabrielle. I've never run into a Gabrielle Marchand, Marchand on a TV show. And there's not that many Gabbies or Gabrielles on TV. But one of my friends used to watch Desperate Housewives religiously. And Eva Longoria, who's... Oh, hello. Oh, hello, Eva. She played <laughs> Gabby Solis, Gabrielle Solis. And so my friend would... And I mean, like, there is no similarity... In this universe, but my friend would always say to me, she'd say, good morning, Gabby Solis. And I'd be like, well, that's not my name and I'm nothing like her, but thank you. <laughs> Made my day, always. Cool. Made my day. Yeah. That must have been fun to watch the show, to have somebody like that. Oh, she was a terrible person. I mean, it was all drama-rama in the suburbs, but yeah. It was a great show. I loved uh, Desperate Housewives. Eva Longoria was right at the top of the list of the reasons for me to watch that show. Yep. I confess that. And can you learn how to take a compliment, please, and thank you? I'm working on it. I'm working on that and breaking fewer water coolers. It's a process. <laughs> Gabrielle Marchand is the host and anchor of Global News Morning, weekdays from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. on Global Winnipeg. Thank you, Gabby. Always a pleasure. Game day, baby. Country Night at IG Field. Giddy up. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is off for another week. We're asking you about a time where you're like, ah, I just can't have nice things. So one of our runners up here says in 2015, I bought my first luxury car, a new Lincoln SUV. Mm. I was so proud of my shiny new vehicle. The very next day, I was driving to the grocery store and I had to closely pass a restaurant. And the restaurant had one of those sandwich signs out front announcing the day's specials. As I drove by, a gust of wind caught the sandwich sign and drove it through the back passenger window. I was <sighs> devastated. It took about six weeks to get a replacement window what are the what are the chances? That's a gut punch. And uh, you know, why don't we just jump ahead to our winner here, Greg, because we only have a couple of minutes left. But Jeff Procopa is our winner after the tale his heart told this morning. So when I was 12 years old, I started saving up for my first car. I babysat, delivered flyers. I did everything I could to be able to afford a new to me Mustang. I found one and bought it when I was 15. Spent the next year fixing it up. The first week I had my license, I was driving home from school and some old guy in a Lexus decided to go through a stop sign right in front of me. All that work, gone, 60 seconds. The sad part was the guy tried to claim it was my fault because I didn't have my lights on at 3.30 in the afternoon. So at 16 years old, I had to go through this whole MPI process rigmarole to prove that it wasn't my fault. Thankfully, I had an adjuster that said he couldn't believe the old man's adjuster would even try and submit that saying I was at fault. So at least I didn't have to pay my deductible. So this is obviously before the, the times of daytime running lights, Brett. That's right. So we asked, was it a write-off? And Jeff says it was. However, 
I tried to buy the car back from MPI with the plan to fix it myself, only to receive a letter from them about a month later saying that I had to bring the car in for a safety inspection before it could be reinsured. And unfortunately, it was at a time before safety, so the rest of the car was just not in good enough shape, so I could never drive it again anyway, and I ended up just parting it out. And with tears in my eyes, I took one last picture before the wrecker came to tow it away. And he sent us a picture of this... At the time, this battered Mustang. Gut-wrenching. Jeff, I mean, to, to imagine the, to all that work, you, for you're 12 years old, you work your butt off to save up to buy your car, you get the car before you got a license, you work on it for a year, you finally get it on the road, gone. There's nothing to say after that, is there? Jeff, thank you for sharing the story. Jeff. Thanks for sending the picture as well. And thanks to all who participated today. Always a fun time. We love, love, love your stories. We sit here and giggle like school children uh, when we're off the air. So um, thank you. Jeff, you get to pick tickets for tonight's bomber game or tickets for the monster, the world's largest inflatable obstacle course coming to IG Field in August. Have you ever found yourself thinking, what a good idea? For a day trip. Like yesterday, we were talking about Diner Around 59. Great day trip idea. Well, coming soon to a television show near you, there's going to be a show for that. A friend and former colleague of ours recently posted on social media about a new show she's part of called Day Trippers, which just wrapped up filming and based on the post, she's been on quite the adventure, Brett. Kristen Miranda is her name and she joins us now. Good morning, Kristen. Good morning, guys. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Well, I'm, we're happy that you're here as well because I've been watching your pictures for the last month or so, wondering, this is quite the vacation she's on, but it turned out to be something <laughs> a little bit different. So what is Day Trippers? So Day Trippers is a TV series that's going to be coming to a TV near you, we hope, in September. And it's going to be four 15-minute episodes. And the idea is to basically be exploring what there is to offer in our very own backyard. So we drove about 1,200 kilometers over the course of four days of filming. And we got to see some of the most spectacular things that are within a day's drive from Winnipeg. Okay, so what inspired this, Kristen? Because I've done, you know, my versions of mini Manitoba exploration road trips. Brett explores Manitoba via the incredible golf courses. What inspired you to tackle this? So this was a project that had been sort of bubbling in the back of our minds for quite some time. Uh, My friend Scott at Sugar Cube Entertainment uh, had been trying to get this off the ground for a while. And he finally secured some funding for it. And we were able to film in a variety of locales all over southern Manitoba. How many places did you visit? Ooh, let me count here. (laughs) It was a lot. About 16. Yeah, about 16 places. Nice. Well done. We wasted no time. We were very efficient. Well, well, yeah, no kidding. Now, I I mean, spoilers being what they are. Let me ask it this way, Kristen. Was there a spot that you went, or maybe there was more than one, but maybe you can tell us about one where you went and you either A, had never been there before, or it just plain and simply blew you away and that old adage of you know something spectacular in Winnipeg or Manitoba when you look at each other and you go, I don't feel like I'm in Manitoba anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that actually occurred to me a couple of times over the course of this trip. I had never been to Riding Mountain National Park, which I feel is kind of hard to believe. It's so close. It's so beautiful. Uh, but that was one of the places. And um, the town of Souris really has my heart. It really, really does. Uh, we got to see the spring, the swinging bridge there. We got to visit with Kathleen, who owns Legacy Studios, and we painted a beautiful canoe paddle. Uh, Alex and Maria, the owners of Woodfire Deli, uh, a restaurant in Suris, fabulous, fabulous people. They actually just immigrated to Canada a number of months ago from Mexico. They took over this business, and now it's flourishing. It's absolutely fabulous. And I don't know if you know this, but they have just wild peacocks running around downtown Surat. I think I've heard that. That's right. Were they aggressive, or did they just are they just going about their business? They were pretty friendly, just kind of minding their own business. But once we got to talking to locals, you could tell that um, the, uh, the the mystique wears off, and then they become just like every other bird. 
I guess so. Yeah, if you get used to it being part of the landscape. Oh, and by the Especially way, if they're in your garden and, and that kind of thing. And it's not. It's actually not hard to believe that you haven't been to Riding Mountain National Park, Kristen, because I haven't either. I'm my. I'm making my maiden voyage in a couple of weeks to when I to play Clear Lake Golf Course. I've never been to Riding Mountain though. Your breath will be. Your breath will be stolen, Brett. Good. What struck you most about Riding Mountain, Kristen? I, I know for me, when I, I, I drive in there, I, I grew up going to Banff, lived in Calgary, loved going to Banff. And as soon as you enter those park gates, it's like you're in another world. You're absolutely right, Greg. Yeah, there is that sense of it being sort of like a mini resort town. I've heard it called a mini Banff on a number of occasions, and it very much is. There's the beautiful lake in the background, all kinds of shops and accommodations and restaurants. Absolutely just fabulous. And I can't believe it took me this many years to to actually get out there. All right. So you're hoping it'll be coming soon to a TV near you in September. Where, Where will we be able to watch this? On Five TV, and you can follow along on our adventures on social media. We've started highlighting some of the places that we visited. Uh, it's Day Trippers TV series on Facebook and Day Trippers TV on Instagram. Okay, perfect. So that's one project that you're involved in because you're quite the busy bee. Because you were, well, you've also recently concluded filming something with Jobs of Tomorrow. That's correct. Yeah. So. Winnipeg has a fabulous film and uh, TV community, and and I've been really fortunate to find myself working on a couple of different projects. So we recently wrapped season three of Jobs of Tomorrow, which is being produced by a local company that makes docu-series. And it's available on Amazon, but only in the States right now, or Tubi. So this first season is up there, and hopefully uh, season three will be available soon because it is really, really great. We've really stepped up the game, and it's all about how various industries are transforming thanks to things like machine learning and AI and sort of demystifying how some of those industries are changing to provide people with better opportunities, as well as how people entering the workforce now, what kind of situations they might be walking into. Kristen, I have to ask you, did you film that entire series here in Manitoba or did you go far afield to to get these stories? We filmed uh, the series itself here in Winnipeg in a studio in the Exchange District, but it is uh, it does feature a lot of interviews with CEOs from companies all over the place. So you so you did the day trippers, which took you uh, over on a twelve hundred kilometer journey. You've wrapped up jobs of tomorrow. You also host live streaming concerts, uh, and you write freelance articles for various publications. And you've got a day job. So I wear a lot of hats. <laughs> where do you find the energy to do all this? <laughs> Well, um, that's a really good question. I mean, I I like to stay busy. It keeps me out of trouble, which is helpful. Um, But I I have a passion for for words and for sharing stories. I feel like I always have. And so being able to help someone tell a story is really rewarding for me. So I can always find time for something like that. I'm a proud Manitoban, and I, I know you are too, Kristen. And so this whole idea of highlighting some of these gems in Manitoba has to be extra special, you know, with regard to creating some of this content. Absolutely. There are so many places that I've often said, you know, I'd really like to go there, but when am I going to get in the car and drive, you know, a couple of hours to go see the swinging bridge or something else like that? One of the most interesting spots that we stopped, Greg, I've got to tell you about the morgue in Ananol. Do you remember Dean Gunnarsson? Of course the world's most dangerous escape artist. So he's got a spot in Ananol, and it is a warehouse of everything from his decades-long career. Really? The coffin that he died in, straitjackets that he's escaped from. This is where they filmed his TV show, uh, Escape or Die, where they came up with all of the plans for all of his big, world-famous escapes. And he offers private tours through there. So we got to meet him and chat with him. He was such a gracious host fabulous spot. Now you might be listening this morning. I know he listens to our show quite regularly, actually, Brett. That's so good so morning, Dean. Hi, Dean. He was great. He was so great. That's cool. Um, and just um, before we let you go, Kristen, on the, the content creation front, because you're, you know, you're doing all these different things and you weren't doing these things, you know, previously when, when we worked with you, uh, there are probably a lot of people who, who might like to take a shot at, at trying something new or maybe doing some content creation, but they're scared to try because you might have to, one might have to learn a new skill set. So do you have any 
recommendations on on how to one can maybe dip their toe in the water with trying something new or trying content creation? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like I didn't really even hit my stride until about 40 years old. And so the doors are always open. You can always learn new things. I think the pandemic offered a really unique opportunity for me to kind of slow down and have a look at the things that I really enjoyed doing. Where where were my passions? And then once I sort of got a clearer idea about that, I just started making a list of anyone that I knew that worked in those areas. And it just started with conversations. I just reached out to a couple of folks and I was like, hey, can we have a you know 10 minute phone call? I would love to know what you know about this area, about voiceover. Or I would reach out to someone that I knew that was a freelance writer. And I said, you know, how, how did you go about this? How did, how did you break in? And that sort of gave me the confidence and the courage to kind of pursue some of those things. And it was really just by reaching out to folks that I already knew that got the ball rolling. Never too late. And, and on the voiceover subject, didn't was it a video game or what? Something animated that you you voiced, right? Yeah, I did a video game. Uh, it's a VR game produced by a local gaming company called Zenfry. It's called The Last Taxi, and I got to be uh, a character in that, and that was released uh, earlier, I believe, it was last year. Okay, so. Yeah. Th- I'm getting tired just listening to all the different projects Kristen works on. I don't know how you do it. smokes. But it's awesome, Kristen. We're looking forward to seeing Day Trippers and uh, Jobs of Tomorrow as well. Sounds great. So thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, It sounds like you had a great... How did you get the... Did you, by the way, I have to like use up your vacation time to, to to take the Day Trippers job? I did. I did use a little vacation time. Yeah. Okay. See, sometimes you, you just got to do what you got to do sometimes to get exactly. the project done. And when it's a passion project, it's well worth it. And, and Kristen, can't wait to see the final product. I can't wait for you to see it either. I hope we get another chance to talk about it soon. Kristen Moran, thank you so much for joining us from Day Trippers, a new show coming soon to Five TV. A 1,200 kilometer journey to show all the cool things right in our own backyard. Love it. One of our listeners, Lance, just says, uh, Day Trippers sounds similar to a Detroit PBS show. 7.30 p.m. Thursdays. It's called UTR Under the Radar Michigan. Three guys tour, tour to four, various Michigan towns, cities, state parts, etc. Showcase activities and things travelers may want to see or do, whether uniqueness of the town, a holiday activity, local restaurant, or business. Well, it's great then that we've got our own homegrown Manitoba version that we'll see in a couple of months.